Long history. Sir Walter Raleigh's The Discovery of Guyana. Top 10 events. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Long History. And here we've got another of our Top 10 Events episodes. This is about a document we just finished releasing two or three weeks ago. And it's Sir Walter Raleigh's The Discovery of Guyana. And as anyone who follows Long History will know, after we've done a long document, we like to take a bit of a break and then come back to it and analyse it in a couple of ways and in that way create a summary of the document which could also be seen as an introduction and in these top 10 events episodes we look for all the major events and then we also have a top 10 surprises episode where we look at the kind of aspects of the document that stood out and we've got quite a few of these episodes now we've got one about Columbus, Magellan, Francis Drake and about the early exploration of the United States and I enjoy creating these episodes because it gives me a chance to think about what I've just read aloud and analyse the document and come up with my impressions. Having said that, this document in particular was a strange one and I was almost thinking of changing the format of this uh, particular episode, Top 10 Events because as anyone who's listened to the document will know, really this document isn't so much about the events because it's a document less about the journey and more about Raleigh making a case for the colonisation and conquest of this Guyana area. And in doing so he promotes and adds to the legends of the area, the legends of El Dorado and of Amazonian women for example. Nevertheless, because this is a strange document, and one that wanders about quite a bit with various digressions and changes in subject, which can at first make it a bit dense, I thought this top 10 events episode could be used to summarise the document, and perhaps to point out the shape of the document to those people who found it all a bit of a mess. So with these so-called events, I'll point out the episodes that they took place in, so that if you're interested and want to see the event in its full context, you can go back and listen to that episode. Okay, so here we go with Long History's Sir Walter Raleigh's The Discovery of Guyana, Top 10 Events. So these events are generally in chronological order, but I would say in this case, although there is a chronological order to the events that I'm covering here, I'm sticking more to the book's order. So, for example, the first event, shall we call it, is that long introduction. And if the length of the introduction equates to the size of an ego, <laughs> then we can see from the start that Sir Walter Raleigh certainly has a pretty huge ego. And I find what's also revealing in this introduction, or these introductions, is a point that I did make a few times whilst reading aloud the episodes, and will probably reiterate here, which is that the more Raleigh protests, the more information he supposedly gives, the less convincing this document becomes. Raleigh, of course, is quite defensive in these introductions, and it's not an attitude I've seen in any of the other documents I've covered so far. And so you kind of think, well, why does he need to be defensive? It's clearly because accusations have been made against him, but I don't know the exact quote, but is it the lady just protests too much? From episode 1, I've got a typical quote about Raleigh defending himself. They have grossly belied me that for judge that I would rather become a servant to the Spanish king than return. So we can see there Raleigh responding to accusations and being very defensive. And I guess in this way we can see that Raleigh is a person who people have opinions about. And from the second episode... I've got a quotation that highlights the Achilles heel of this document. I'll give the quotation first. I was resolved that gold must be found either in grains, separate from the stone, as it is in most of the rivers in Guyana, or else in a kind of hard stone, which we call the white spar, of which I saw diverse hills, and in sundry places, 
but had neither time nor men nor instruments fit for labour. So here we can see that Raleigh, once again, not the only time in this document by any means, saying how much gold there is in the area, how it will be possible to extract it, how unfortunately he was unable to due to lack of time, men and tools. And after a point you think, well, fair enough, but the more he labours this point, the less believable it becomes. So we have two episodes of this introduction, and it's interesting in particular because it's one of the few times, if not the only time, when we hear from the explorer himself about his own journey. And so in this document, more than in any other document, I think, that we've covered so far in long history, we get a direct sense of the author's personality and opinions. So that's the first event, which is the long introductions. Moving, as I say, through the document, the next big event to take place is Raleigh reaching Trinidad, just off the northern coast of South America. And I found this one of the most interesting parts of the document, because we did get a sense of the many different peoples on this island. In a way, it's a kind of a false start, because it gives the impression that this is going to be a typical travelogue, but Raleigh will soon begin his digressions. And I've got a quotation here which kind of summarises the relations between the Spanish, the local people and the English. This quotation is about the local people complaining about the Spanish. The he here is a Spaniard, I think it's Berrio. For although he had given order through all the island that no Indian should come aboard to trade with me upon pain of hanging and quartering, having executed two of them for the same which I afterwards found, yet every night there came some with the most lamentable complaints of his cruelty. And that perhaps begins the trope of the Spanish being the horrible people in this situation, the enemies, for want of a better word, and the English being the saviours of these local people who are bizarrely stuck in the middle of these European rivalries. So that's episode three, which summarises Raleigh's time on Trinidad. And then Raleigh begins his long digression, looking at the previous men who explored the area. And at first, when I was reading this, I thought, get back to the main bit, when's the journey beginning? But the realisation slowly comes that in reality there isn't much journey in this text. And these tales are actually a significant part of the main body of this document. And in themselves they are quite fascinating and extraordinary, I suppose. In episode 5, for example, we've got the tale of Juan Martinez, who was apparently the first man to see El Dorado. And in this quotation... Raleigh explains how he found out this information about Juan Martinez. The relation of this Martinez, who was the first that discovered Manoa, his success and end, is to be seen in the chancery of San Juan de Puerto Rico, whereof Berrio had a copy, which appeared to be the greatest encouragement as well to Berrio as to others that formerly attempted the discovery and conquest. So from my point of view, from our point of view, this is almost parody. When we think of the source of where this information came from, it's locked up on a distant island, but someone got a copy, who then told Raleigh, who tells us, and the tale itself, of Martinez being taken blindfold to El Dorado, and returning with lots of gold, but then being robbed, so that he could say that he'd been to El Dorado, but didn't know where it was, and had no evidence that he'd been. So that's one of those bizarre stories, and another one is about a man called Aguirre, which is a name I cannot pronounce, A-G-U-I-R-R-E. This was the man who was called El Loco and declared himself the emperor of the area in some way. And as he was being captured, he put his own children to death, apparently. Here's the quote about this Loco man. Aguirre, from thence, landed about Santa Marta and sacked it also, 
putting to death so many as refused to be his followers, purposing to invade Nuevo Reino de Granada and to sack Pamplona, Merida, La Grita, Tunja and the rest of the cities of Nuevo Reino, and from thence again to enter Peru. But in a fight in the said Nuevo Reino he was overthrown, and finding no way to escape, he first put to the sword his own children, foretelling them that they should not live to be defamed or upbraided by the Spaniards after his death, who would have termed them the children of a traitor or tyrant. So that's the third of the so-called events of this document, those strange tales of the men who visited or conquered or tried to conquer El Dorado or Guyana, it's all very mixed up. The Juan Martinez story was from episode 5, and the story of Aguirre el Loco was from episode 6. Moving on to episode 7, here we have another strange tale, another myth being reinforced by Sir Walter Raleigh. This one, after the legend of El Dorado, being the most famous one perhaps. And this is the legend of the Amazonian women. Here's the quotation. In many histories they are verified to have been, and in diverse ages and provinces, but they which are not far from Guyana do accompany with men but once in a year, and for the time of one month, which I gather by their relation to be in April. So the details of the quotation continue, but perhaps from my point of view it's the beginning of that quotation that reveals all once again, when Raleigh says, in many histories that are verified to have been. So basically Raleigh says, it's the truth because I say it's the truth, and I've looked into it. And there are a few curious details about those Amazonian women and their one month of feasting, dancing and drinking and the fact that they are said to be very cruel and bloodthirsty. I mean, it's all interesting stuff, but it's all false. But the details there are from episode 7. Now, after all these digressions, Sir Walter Raleigh's journey finally begins in episode 9 and the enormity of the Orinoco becomes apparent and Raleigh wanders up and down, not quite sure where to go, always insisting there's gold just beyond the horizon. But I thought there was one telling quote in particular in episode 10. I'll give it here. This is where he goes up one branch of the river in order to find a village with some food, and the journey isn't going well. So as we were brought into despair and discomfort, had we not persuaded all the company that it was but only one day's work more to attain the land where we should be relieved of all we wanted, and if we returned, that we were sure to starve by the way, and that the world would also laugh us to scorn. So it's that final phrase there about laughing us to scorn that I thought was telling. We can see that Raleigh here is very concerned about his reputation, and in fact the whole document is about Raleigh's reputation, it could be argued. And the one reason he continues on here is because he wants to maintain his reputation. So that little quotation, as he's wandering up and down the Orinoco, is from episode 10. From the journey itself, there are few events, really, and at many points the document seems to descend into lists of places and just Raleigh telling us how amazing everything is. Perhaps the one standout event of all this voyage is when Raleigh makes an ally of one of the leaders called Topiawari, He's the one whose nephew, I believe he was called Morequito, was killed by the Spanish. And this Topiawari, the uncle, replaced him, but he's a very old man. And as often happens in these documents, the enemy of my enemy becomes my friend, so Raleigh becomes an ally of Topiawari. I think this quotation here is where he first meets the man. And as I had before made my coming known to Topiawari, so did I acquaint the cacique therewith, and how I was sent by Her Majesty for the purpose aforesaid 
and gathered also what I could of him touching the estate of Guyana. So those were the introductions, where Raleigh tells Topiawari about Queen Elizabeth, and then inevitably try to find out information about where the gold is. And there are intriguing details in this episode, and it often happens in these documents with explorers, where they want to find out from the local people who are their friends and enemies. Here, Raleigh finds out that the Spanish are definitely enemies of most people in the area, and the local enemies are the Epureme, as Raleigh states here. All those, either against the Spaniards or the Epureme, would join with us, and that if we entered the land over the mountains of Cura, we should satisfy ourselves with gold and all other good things. So there's Raleigh working out the rivalries and enmities in order to be able to make alliances and find this gold he wants. So those details about the old leader Topiawari take place in episode 13. We move on to episode 15 now, and this is where essentially Raleigh gives his reasons for turning back. We've already seen how concerned he is with his own reputation, and so he goes into great detail as to why he turns back, and also makes clear that other people, in particular this Topiawari leader, have told him that now is not the time to invade this area. This is the quotation referring to Topiawari himself. Myself, now being old and in the hands of death, I'm not able to travel nor to shift as when I was of younger years. He therefore prayed us to defer it till the next year, when he would undertake to draw in all the borderers to serve us, and then, also, it would be more seasonable to travel. So there we have Topiawari telling Raleigh not to invade this year, not to travel any more, and for this reason he, unfortunately, is forced to head back. And Raleigh gives further reasons in the following quotation. For my own part, as we were not able to march it for the rivers, neither had any such strength as was requisite, and durst not abide the coming of the winter, or to tarry any longer from our ships, I thought it were evil counsel to have attempted it at that time, although the desire for gold will answer many objections. So we see that Raleigh's insisting that he wanted to carry on, but it was just an unfortunate time of the year, and so it was completely impossible. And those reasons for turning back are given in episode 15. So we're on to the eighth of ten events here, and one that stood out in episode 16 is given in the following quotation. I was informed of the mountain of crystal, to which, in truth, for the length of the way and the evil season of the year, I was not able to march, nor abide any longer upon the journey. We saw it afar off, and it appeared like a white church tower of an exceeding height. So this is kind of the myth of the mountain of crystal, and as we can identify as being quite typical by now, he's seen this amazing mountain, but it's in the distance. People have told him about it, but unfortunately he hasn't actually been able to visit it himself. And that quotation was from episode 16. And the return home actually seems to be quite quick, although by home I'm meaning Trinidad here. I've got a brief quotation here, perhaps explaining why it was so quick. The best was, we went no less than 100 miles a day down the river. And so I guess that it's easier to go downriver than upriver. But the thing I wanted to point out in episode 17 in particular was the sense we get of the huge Orinoco River. It's a quotation I've got here. But our hearts were cold to behold the great rage and increase of Orinoque, and therefore departed and turned toward the west, till we had discovered the parting of the three branches aforesaid, that we might put down the stream after the galley. 
So this is an interesting document, because obviously when um, Raleigh tells us about Crystal Mountains, for example, I think he believes he's telling us the truth. But it's interesting to try and unravel the actual truth from this document and tease out the fact, not from the fiction exactly, but from the exaggeration. And these descriptions of the Orinoco River I find to be fairly authentic. It does seem to be an enormous river. And from this document, that's kind of one of the few things I take away, really, is the sense of Raleigh's awe at the vastness of this river. And that quotation about quickly heading home and the vastness of the Orinoco River are from episode 17. So we jump to the final episode, episode 18, and the journey's already ended by this point. But Sir Walter Raleigh cannot help but finish his document with a final flourish and a final case for Guyana and El Dorado. For example, in this quotation. To conclude, Guyana is a country that hath yet her maidenhead, never sacked, turned, nor wrought. The face of the earth hath not been torn, nor the virtue and salt of the soil spent by manurans. The graves have not been opened for gold, the mines not broken with sledges, nor their images pulled down out of their temples. It hath never been entered by any army of strength, and never conquered or possessed by any Christian prince. So that's a final flourish by Raleigh, making it as clear as he can that his document wasn't just about this voyage, but it was a kind of a proposal, and a case for taking this land that's just waiting to be conquered. And so that's the final quotation from these top 10 events, which is from episode 18. So thank you everyone for listening to this latest Top 10 Events episode of Long History. This, as I say, was quite a tricky one because if we talk in terms of events in themselves, as I say, not much happened. And it did almost get to the point when I was preparing this document, when I almost abandoned it altogether, because it didn't seem to quite fit in the remit of Long History so far about voyages across oceans and around the world and exploring continents. But I did enjoy the eccentricity of the document and the fact that in many ways it was a very personal document and seemed to be written very much from the point of view of Raleigh and very much for the Queen of England. And I hope you've enjoyed this episode which gives a summary of the document in the hope that you go back and listen to the full episode to listen to these quotes in their context. When we do these top 10 event documents it also means that another document is being prepared and we'll start serialising that soon. So if you can, please like this episode before you move on. Subscribe to be informed when the next series begins. Thank you for listening to Long History's Sir Walter Raleigh's The Discovery of Guyana, Top 10 Events. Goodbye.